Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Nina. And you're listening to Slice Slice of Murder. Murder. episode 18 of slice of murder yes hello we're currently filming on a monday this is a three-day weekend because of martin luther king yeah so it was pretty nice last week i only had like three real days of school and then this week i only have four days of school that's kind of like you know so it's like easing our way back into yeah school which is nice semester yeah um, all right, let's get started with our, we'll do our highs and our lows of the week, or weekend. My high <laughs> I the, think I know. My high of the weekend, or the past week, is that my boyfriend came to visit, and that was super fun. I brought him to school on Friday, and it was so funny, like, the kids went wild, so, like, they were just staring at him the whole time, the whole day. Did that make him want to be a teacher? No. He was like, wow. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how you do this every day. because he was like, where should I sit? I was like, well, you can sit in my seat, like, yeah. I don't care. He's like, well, won't you have to sit down? Like, bro, I don't No, we don't get a chance to <laughs> like, ever sit down. <laughs> Like, I'm not going to ever sit down in my seat. Yeah, so whenever it comes to observe my class, they're like, can I sit at your desk? I'm like, yeah, Yeah. I'm not going to use it. Yeah, but he liked it. That was really fun. Um, And then my low of the weekend was we went to 12-12, and the man, fucking Lucian, told me... With the man bun. With the man bun, literally the size of a centimeter, might I add. (laughs) Like, it was like one of those... You know those, like, mini hair ties that you use that are, like, clear that you use at the very... When you braid your hair, like, really tiny, thin braids, and you use those, like... They're, like, literally, like, half an inch around size hair ties. That's what he was holding up his man bun with. Not even kidding. It was the smallest (laughs) thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And he literally told... Me? Well, first he just told me my ID was fake just by looking at it. And I was like, it's not. Scan it. And he's like, oh, you're right. It is real. Yeah, and, and he, he tried to question you. Really? And then he was like, okay, well, what is the capital of New Jersey? What is the nickname of New Jersey? Like, bro, like you, the probably, nickname? you probably don't even know. You probably don't even know what New Jersey is. Like, you probably never even <laughs> been there. So that made me so mad. That's ridiculous. And then... That can be, is that your low, yeah, too? Yeah, that's my okay, thought. So you then, can just say it. Well, no, but you can tell that your story. You'll oh, start off with your low of the week. Yeah, so my low is also Lucian. <laughs> so right after Nina gets in, because her ID was not fake, <laughs> so he scans mine and says, oh, this, look, look here. He's telling, like, the other worker, like, this one's fake. They can't come in. Like, all of like, them. Like, it was like, like me and, like... The d- two other people I was yeah. with, they couldn't come in. And I was like, but it's not fake. Can you scan it again? And he was like, no, we can't. Sorry. It was literally the rudest thing that I've ever experienced. Like, he was actually being <laughs> legit so rude. Yeah. And I was like, okay, if it's fake, why don't you take it or call the police or yeah. something? But he was, like, very dismissive towards all of us. 
And we left them bad Yelp reviews because of that. So if you want to leave a bad Yelp review <laughs> for 1212, um, you can help us out and do that. Yeah, 1212 Santa Monica. Make sure to mention him by name, Lucian. Yeah. L-U-C-I-A-N. He doesn't even know what just hit him. He literally denied the most popular podcast basically in the world. Yeah. We almost said, like, do you know who we are? (laughs) But we didn't want to be, like... I almost went on live, (laughs) all right? TikTok live, because we have a thousand followers. my experience there. (laughs) Yeah, but then we saw the the comments, and a lot of people were having that similar experience because it was a real ID. Yeah. That was not scanning as real. I'm like, how is your machine not updated yeah. to scan in real IDs? And the machine was just busted. And then, like, a lot of the comments on Yelp and whatever were like, oh, he, like, just doesn't let people in because, like, he feels like it. Like, yeah. it's not, like, it's, like, an excuse, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, more of an excuse to be like, oh, your ID's not real. Like, so I feel like that's what it was, like... He just didn't want to let us in for whatever reason. Well, he messed with the wrong people. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We, like, all left reviews. It was, like, the most ridiculous thing, like, ever. But whatever. He deserves it. Like, he was really rude. Like, he was actually really rude. Yeah. So. Oh, and then my rose. Oh, yeah. Was similar to yours. Um, This weekend is really fun. We, uh, because um, Nina's boyfriend, Michael, came over, we got to play games and if you've never played jackbox you need to get it it's so fun it's really fun i love playing trivia on there and then there's this other game what's it called the pointing game oh yeah what is it it's i don't know what it's I called i forgot what it's called but it's like oh it's like an odd one out uh-huh. sort of thing yeah oh anyway you, you need to look it up it's so fun i think it's the first jackbox right because there's different it's like there's like jackbox uh, yeah. or jackbox two. two it's either one or two yeah but it's the one with the trivia one yeah, yeah, murder trivia. Yeah. So. Really Can fun. you tell? Oh my God. We're really into true crime and stuff. And just like, yeah, Michael was like, Michael is like, let's play trivia. We're like, okay. Yeah. And he's like, what the hell is this it's thing? He was like, you get a question wrong and it like kills you. Yeah. It's like, you guys are whack. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, That's I guess. Not- leads pretty nicely into our um episode for today so on the topic of like murder and yeah what are we talking bad about things in los angeles um so i said last week that i wanted to do like a haunted los angeles episode oh yeah so just because like i think it's interesting and i like looking at places like around us like, mm-hmm. just, like, the places where I'm at, just to, like, learn, like, kind of, like, the history behind it and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, today we'll be talking about four locations locations in Los Angeles known to be some of the most haunted in the city. Um, all of them have, like, kind of have true crime intertwined without them. So, a lot of them have, like, true crime things involved. Um, a couple of them are, like, super popular ones. And a couple of them I feel like we, I want to do later on like maybe there are cases that I want to go over Mm -hmm. um but like you know I just wanted to like look up something spooky kind of yeah it'd be cool if we got to go to the places because they do a lot of like um tours or like what are they called it is it's like ghost tours and like you can like go to like certain really like haunted locations so a couple of those are from there and then a couple of them are just like random ones that Mm -hmm. when I was kind of researching 
Um, it was like, oh, this like has like is I just like chosen ones that have like the coolest history behind them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the first location is actually a little bit outside Los Angeles. It's in Pasadena. So the first one is the Colorado Street Bridge in Pasadena. Um, and this is known as like one of the most haunted locations or the, and the most like haunted um, bridges because of the amount of like suicides that went on at this bridge. In, in California or just in California? In the US? Okay. Yeah. So the historic Colorado Street Bridge was built in 1913 and it crosses a seasonal creek bed called the Arroyo Seco. So it's like dry for parts of the year, but then like it turns into a river like when it's yeah. really rainy, like in the wet season. Um, so they built it, like, to be able to get across this river when it did have water in mm-hmm. it. Um, and the land where the bridge is built, it was home to the indigenous peoples of the Tongva tribe, and both the land and the Arroyo Seco were an important part of Tongva mythology. They believed that the sound of the river sounded like laughing and believed that the river belonged to the Sky Coyote, who was, like, a god of trickery and deception. So that's who owned the land before you know, people kind of push them out. Um, but it was, like, a really important part of their mythology. And it kind of, like, always had this kind of, like, I don't know. It, like, it, they believed that it belonged to this god of, like, deception and trickery. So it was always kind of, like, I don't know, it was always kind of, like, a spooky, like, Ooh. you know, otherworldly place. And a few miles upstream... There is a natural rock formation that is called uh, Devil's Gate, which was named by Judge B.S. Eaton in 1858. Eaton claims that the rock formations reminded him of depictions of Satan, um, mainly because parts of the rock, like, stick out like horns. I don't really see, like, it doesn't really look, like, mm-hmm. that much to me. Well, maybe back then it did. Yeah, but I think it's mainly because, like, if you pull up, like, we'll post this on our Instagram, but it's, like... It has, like, these, like, horns that, like, stick out. And, like, that part does look like a horn, but, like, I can't really see, like, a face or whatever. Like, it's just mostly, like, the top. Like, when you name someone, like, Devil's... Yeah. Devil's Branch, is it? It's Devil's Gate. Oh, Devil's Gate. Yeah, it's, like, the rocks. Like, you know something bad's gonna happen there. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's almost like you're preconceiving, like, the idea of something bad happening, like, in that location. You know, and that was like in 1858, so that was before like any of wow, this stuff happened. That's so long ago. Yeah, that was before the bridge was even built. You know, so again, yeah, like it's it just doomed. already <laughs> there's like nothing's happening. So the first bridge over the Rio Seco was washed away, um, and construction began on the second bridge later in 1913. So the scaffolding holding up the bridge was pretty unstable, and equipment nearby, like the rumbling of the equipment, ca- caused part of the bridge to collapse as they were building it. Three men fell to the ground below. Charles Johnson lost one leg and one arm after falling onto concrete. John Visco fell into the riverbed and unfortunately lost his life. And a third man, H. Collins, survived the fall. And this was only the first tra- tragedy to occur at this bridge. Wow. So, like, and it's just while it's, they're building it. Right. So it's like from the very start, it was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, in 1919, after the, fir- after the bridge was built... 70-year-old Huntington Park resident Smith Osgood traveled to the bridge intent on ending his life. And this was the first suicide that occurred at the bridge. On his way to the bridge, he stopped a passerby and paid him to bring a note to the police station and instructed him not to read it. When Mr. Osgood reached one of the many small alcoves at a high point on the bridge, he climbed on top of the ledge and he jumped to his death. While Osgood's suicide was first, well, the first one recorded at the Pasadena Bridge, like I said, 
um, during the Great Depression, it saw a surge of suicides, and over 50 men and women jumped off the bridge between 1929 and 1933. That's so a lot of people. In only, like, four years, yeah. it was... Over 50 people, which is pretty crazy. That's so sad. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there are, like, those bridges in different, Mm -hmm. like, countries or states. That are just somehow known for suicide, sadly. And, I mean, during the Great Depression, there's going to be another place later on in this episode that I talk about was a popular locale to commit suicide during the Great Depression, Unfortunately, I feel like during that time, some people just turned to drastic measures because, like, they didn't really know what else to do. Yeah. They had, like, lost everything, and they didn't really know what else. Mm-hmm. Like, they couldn't see a future for supporting themselves or supporting their family. And I think, like, a lot of people took measures that they might not have taken if they weren't going through this. Um... By 1933, it began to be known as the Suicide Bridge to those who lived in the area. And in an article published in the Santa Rosa Republican, which is a newspaper, in 1933, there was a report that residents in the neighborhood believed they could see the ghosts of those who had passed away at the bridge. Um, And these were usually between the arches. So, like, at the bottom of the bridge, there's, like, these huge arches, like, Mm -hmm. underneath the bridge. So people believed that they could see that. The ghosts, like, in between those arches. Wow. One popular ghost in particular that many report seeing, this was, like, first reported in 1933, and people still report seeing this ghost. Like, now, this is the most popular ghost, um, is the figure of a woman in a long white gown, and she, the people report seeing her jump from, like, a parapet on the bridge, so one of those mm-hmm. places that, like, go over the bridge, um, but she vanishes midair. And that oh, was in the newspaper. Creepy. Like, that was reported in the newspaper that people have seen her. And, like, multiple people. Yeah, and then people still, that's, like, somebody that people still report seeing today. Yeah. So it's, like, this legend has carried on for almost 100 years, like, 90 years mm-hmm. at this point, which, I don't know, I mean, that okay, kind of convinces I, me, like. Yeah, okay, I don't want to go there anymore. <laughs> Forget what I said at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> Um, in 1936, three scientists got gathered in the Arroyo Seco to perform their own secret experiments. So I don't know why they went to this place. I think it's because it's, like, a dry riverbed, and it was, like, pretty, um, like, hidden away from, like, other things. Like, it was just, like, a good place to not be close to other people, Mm -hmm. not be seen. And I think because of, like, the surroundings, it's, like, kind of in a canyon it was, like, very hidden from mm-hmm. everybody else. Imagine being, like, that taxi driver or, like, person that's uh-huh. driving someone there. Like, what are I they know. thinking? I know. Like, are they are they suspecting, like, something I know. is going to happen? I mean, it... I'd be like, why am I dropping you off, off here? here? Yeah. Uh, fortunately, now they've built, um, like, nets around this side and kind of, like, blockades, so mm-hmm. it makes it a lot harder for people to jump. Um, because like back then they, it was just open so Mm -hmm. you could like stand on the edge and jump. Um, but it's still today like a popular location for people to jump from. So it hasn't like, it hasn't stopped the problem entirely, but they have built a lot more measures like nowadays Mm -hmm. to kind of hopefully. Yeah. Like prevent prevent some more. Yeah. Or if they try, then. They might fall into the net and, like, be... Survive, yeah. 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 
Yeah, I feel like a lot of um, bridges that are known for that yeah. uh, have those, I think, like, like the nets Golden and Gate, stuff. too. Yeah, yeah. Has people brought, like, people built a lot of nets underneath mm-hmm. and things like that. So, anyway, back to the, um, the, the scientists. So, these scientists ended up being, um, these experiments ended up being the first experiments of NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which are, like, people that, like, kind of figure out how to, like, blast rockets into space. So, like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, this was, like, the first kind of group that people were, like, that was doing this kind of stuff. Um, and one of these scientists was Jack Parsons, who was a self-taught chemist and rocket scientist. So Jack Parsons has an interesting past, and even though he was one of the first members of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which is still like up and running today, it's an incredibly popular like part oh, of NASA. Cool. He has been written out of most of JPL's history due to his obsession with the occult. So Parsons believed in um, like his ability to summon a deity called Babylon who was the Thelemic, which is, like, a Satanistic religion, mm-hmm. like an occultist religion. So this deity Babylon was the, quote, mother of abominations. So she was kind of, like, going to bring in, like, the end of times. Okay. Yeah. So he's kind of been, like, like even though he's, like, one of the founding scientists of JPL, and, like, even though he had such an important part in, like, mm-hmm. um, starting it and, like, doing some of those first experiments, he's, his, like, involvement in that has kind of been, like, pushed away because... Yeah, like, they didn't want it, they didn't, people to know right. what else he was involved in and think maybe the company was affiliated. Yeah. So he did well. some, like, pretty weird things. <laughs> I mean, to each their own, but, like, he did some pretty weird things. Um, Parsons sought to invoke Babylon through incantation and blood sacrifice, and he had, like, a bunch of, he did a bunch of rituals, like, at his house. So, like, at, at his, his house? Yeah, so, like, at his house he would have, like, all of these, like, weird rituals, like, invite people over, like, and, and people that, would show up. Yeah, people would show up. I mean, like, I guess, like, you can find people that are into anything, like, you know. Yeah, I just wonder how he asked or, like, approached them. Like, I know, that's, like, a pretty weird yeah. thing. Like, if somebody asked, came up to me in the street and was like, hey, do you want to come to a ritual of my house to summon the Antichrist? Really? I'm like, no, thank no. you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm busy that day. <laughs> um, and at the end of one ritual, he actually wrote down... Um, Quote, and thus an antichrist was loosed in the world. So people, you know, kind of spread rumors about this. And obviously this is like a, and I mean like, going to say this word, I mean it like, it's like, um, like, it's like a fantastic thing that he's like claiming to have done. Like it's so large, much larger than life, like not fantastic in the good sense, like fantastic mm-hmm. in the thing that's like. It's so much, like, it's so out there. It's so crazy, like, the things that he's claiming to have done. Like, obviously, people are going to make stories about it, yeah. you know? So, um, Parsons died in an explosion in 1952 at his house. I don't know what he was doing <laughs> that caused his house to explode or, like, caused him to die in an explosion, but it was probably something weird. Um, and after his death, the Devil's Gate Dam, so that's the dam that was built at the rock formation, Mm -hmm. um, grew into what locals believe is an increasingly, uh, paranormal and strange place. Mm. So, like I said, people, like, spread all these kinds of rumors about him. We kind of, like, believed all these strange things about him since he was involved in the occult and everything. 
and beliefs began to circulate that Parsons had actually opened the seventh portal to hell at Devil's Gate Dam. So oh that's what he was trying to do. Like, so he, when he wrote down that he had, like, loosed the Antichrist, like, he had opened a portal to hell, and that's, like, how he brought Why the would he want in. to do that? I don't know. He was, like, he was involved. He, was, he just, like, believed in all that kind of stuff. Um... There's no tangible evidence that he did open the portal to houses in Dallas Rock. Just okay, good. In case you are wondering, <laughs> there is glad. nobody um, has gone in there, and there has been no like doorway, you know, that you okay. can like open up and go to hell. But Woof. also, <laughs> like, I don't know if you'd be able to see that. Also, you know, yeah. like if there was like a portal to hell, I feel like you probably wouldn't be able to see that with your eyes. So I don't know. Maybe he did. Who knows? So, five years after Parsons' death, um, a child went missing in the surrounding area around the Devil's Gate Dam in the Arroyo Seco. Tommy Bowman was only eight years old. Bowman was last seen by his family members walking along the trail uh, in March of 1957. Three years later, in 1960, a six-year-old named Bruce Kremen went missing at a YMC campground in Angeles National Forest, which is about 38 miles away from the Devil's Gate Dam. Um... So, obviously, people began to associate these things, like, with the history of Devil's Gate Dam and began to speculate, oh, they were involved in, like, something paranormal. They Mm -hmm. disappeared because they were around this place, and maybe this is proof that there is something paranormal at Devil's Gate Dam and, like, in this river. Yeah, or maybe it means that the door was open. Right, and, like, they disappeared. They were, like, nobody ever found their bodies. They weren't. Ever like so they tr- did just truly like disappear. So um, sad. I know. And they did search for their bodies. Yes. Okay. Um, and they couldn't find anything. However, both of these disappearances ended up being linked to a serial killer, Mac Wright Edwards, who confessed to their uh, murders when he was in jail. Yeah. So I mean, people speculated that it was due to something paranormal, but it, it ended up not. Mm-hmm. It ended up being to like a shitty person, mm-hmm. not a ghost. He probably. Like, did it there for his, ad- like, as an advantage so people could right. think it was. Yeah, I wonder if that was, part like, of if he paranormal. kind of knew about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder, yeah. too. Uh, in 1998, the body of a student from nearby Occidental College was found downstream um, the Arroyo Seco after he had gone hiking. Um, and his body was discovered actually near, like, the Jet Propulsion Laboratories. So that's where his body <laughs> that was That is creepy. Yeah, I know, right? And they don't, like, they've never really solved that murder, so people don't know, like, what happened. Um, Many people who have hiked there have reported that, like, as you hike up the stream, um, like, there's a, I've been, like, the trash and mud, like, there's a bunch of, like, things on the riverbank, there's a lot of burned Bibles, and there's, like, evidence of, like, quote, occult rituals. So I don't know what that means, but, like, probably, like, pentagrams, you know, things like that. Um, paranormal investigators have visited the bridge and reported high levels of paranormal activity, including hearing voices saying, quote, it's her fault. Um, and there was one report of a voice saying Tommy. And if you remember, Tommy was the child that was killed by the bridge. Yeah. Um, people who visit the bridge report feeling, quote, foggy, um, like they don't they can't think straight, um, or it's, like, when you have, like, brain fog, you yeah. know, like, you can't really, like, think of things quickly, um, or they feel like they're being followed, 
Or people say that they feel a very cold wind when they're on the top of the bridge, even if it's, like, a very Mm -hmm. warm night, and they only feel cold on the bridge. Yeah, I feel like people can sense those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you're at a house, or you're, like, you feel a lot of energy, or, like, someone's watching you. Yeah. Almost like it's haunted. Yeah. Yeah. So, I do think that, that, like, if people are in tune with that side, Mm -hmm. um, then they would feel it here, because I feel like it's just been home to so many tragedies yeah Yeah. that if ghosts are real i think this is definitely one that a place that they would they would go to yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um and another popular sighting is one of a woman who's standing on the middle of the road um and so as drivers like go across a road and they swerve to avoid her she Mm -hmm. disappears that's another i've seen that people say yeah um but that is the Colorado Street Bridge. So it's basically like a big debate. Like, is this just the site of tragic accidents and a lot of rumors? Or has this been kind of the home of something like spooky since the very beginning? And it's just a place that like naturally draws energy to it. Yeah. I think it could be that. The second one that just draws that energy. Yeah. Because if that's going to be like, I don't know, you always think about like, well, why do people choose certain places? to commit suicide or commit crimes like what about those places maybe draws people to them i mean the name right exactly and i feel like the fact that like people started like jumping off Mm -hmm. the bridge there Mm -hmm. and stuff um i feel like that like continues continues yeah 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 all right so on to our next location and this is actually some that like I only kind of figured this out that this was like a super supposedly a super haunted location like probably like at the end of last year like I had no idea that this was like a really haunted mm-hmm. location because it's a really popular one so the second location we're going to talk about is Griffith Park Griffith oh Park God. I know right Griffith Park is probably most known for being a hiking destination to see the Hollywood sign and the observatory However, it is also said to be one of the most haunted places in Los Angeles. The most haunted? Yeah, because it is home to multiple disappearances, murders, and suicides. I did not know that, know. and I've been there, like, several I times. I know, I know. Um, so it has definitely has a darker history than, like, some might realize. So it actually has, like, a really cool backstory that I had no idea until I was researching this. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of knew, like, the later stuff because I feel like I saw a TikTok or something about, like, the kind of things that have been happening in the most, like, recent years in Griffith Park. But I did not know, like, the whole backstory of, like, why it's supposedly super haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really cool. Oh, so, I can't wait to hear. Yeah, so it's a story. Like, it is a story. I mean, it's real people involved, but it's, like, a folk tale. Okay. So it's not, none of it is, like, confirmed to be true. And it's, like, a pretty old story. It's, like, in the 1860s. So it's, like, a pretty old story. I mean, there's not a ton of records that kind of certify these things to have happened. Mm -hmm. But it is pretty interesting. So it starts in 1863. And a man named Don Antonio Felice owned the land that Griffith Park sits on today. And it was, like, a rancho. So he had, like, a bunch of, um, like, livestock on it. Mm -hmm. And this is where he he just kind of owns, like, all of this land. Um, And he was, like, pretty wealthy, so mm-hmm. he was able to like, keep it going. It had been in his family for generations. 
and this part of the land had historically been like really good for farming so they were like a pretty rich family and Mm -hmm. this is like how they had kind of made their living oh cool he lived with his sister and his niece dona uh, petronia who he loved like his own child so he wasn't married and he had no children of his own Mm -hmm. so he kind of saw dona petronia like his own daughter In his will, he intended to leave all of his land as well as his money to her since he had no direct heirs of his own. Mm -hmm. So it had been passed down. This had been passed down from, like, his father and his grandfather, and he wanted to keep it in the family. Mm -hmm. But since he had no kids to pass it to, he decided to to pass it on to her. Oh, that's so sweet of him. I know. I know. I feel like it's, like, that's kind of, um, like, in the 1860s, I feel like... It's uncommon for right. him not to have kids. Right. Yeah. It, or, like, I feel like he would almost pressure her, because she was, like, 19 at, at this time, so I feel like he would almost pressure her into getting married and then, like, try and leave it to her husband oh, instead, I you see. know? Yeah. Um, but it's it's cool that he wanted to, like, mm-hmm. he didn't really care about that. He just wanted to, like, keep it in the family. Yeah. Um, however, after Felice fil- fell ill with smallpox and was close to death, uh, some of his friends tricked him into signing a new will. So in this new will, all of Felice's land and wealth would go to his friends and not to Doña Petronia like he intended. Oh my god. Yeah. So they kind of like were telling him it was a different legal document and he was like so confused yeah, they and took so ill. Of yeah. Um, that he didn't really realize what he was signing. So uh, angry Doña Petronia told his friends that she had um, cursed the land that they had stolen from her promising that, quote, the cattle and fields would become diseased and die and that no one will ever profit from this land. So, like I said before, this land had historically been, like, really, really good for raising cattle on, raising other farm farm animals on, and, like, growing things. So Mm -hmm. they, like, were able to grow a bunch of different crops and everything in this field, and, like, that's how this family had made all their money. Um, so I think that's why his friends kind of wanted it because they saw it as an opportunity to get rich. Yeah. But she told them that she had cursed the land so like nobody would ever profit from the land again. Good. I know. I was like, that is a good move. (laughs) (laughs) Um, as for the land's new owner, so she also, she didn't just curse the land, she cursed anybody that owned the land. Um, and she said that for the land's new owner and the man who, like, helped him out, she said that one will die in an untimely death and the other in blood and violence. <gasps> so she cursed anybody that owned the land yeah, to also to die. die. in that way. Mm-hmm. So her curse actually came true. Um, one of the men who had, bought, who had owned the land, C.B. Howard, he was in charge of negotiating the, like, the water rights of the land. Okay. He was shot to death in a local saloon. <gasps> Um, the next owner of the land, Leon Lucky Baldwin, started a ranch and dairy farm on the property. Soon after he par- purchased it, though, the cattle on the land died, fires destroyed grain, grasshoppers devoured crops, and, like, basically nothing went right. So, like, as soon as he purchased the land, like, all these things yeah, happened the to crops it. were dying and mm-hmm. stuff. And, like, all of his cattle were dying, like, wow. so he was really not able to make any money from this. Yeah. Um, and he actually went bankrupt, so, like... Rather than this being a property that would make him a lot of money, mm-hmm. it he lost all of his money. Wow. And he was forced to sell the land to pay for the mortgage. Right after he sold the land, he actually went to a trip in Mexico and was killed. <gasps> so, again, again, we're seeing these people who own the land or, like, who are part of that whole thing, who are trying to make money off of it, 
her curse yeah, is like coming through. Um, the land ended up with Thomas Bell, who was a financier from San Francisco. Um, he kind of just like bought it to sell it. Like he just bought it because like he had money. Like he didn't really want to do anything on this land. He was like kind of like a very early like mm. real estate yeah. kind of person. <laughs> like he just wanted to sell it to, to make up money. the price. Right, exactly. Um, so this guy, Bell, apparently lived into his 80s, but tragedy struck again. He either fell from his own, um, like, banister. So, like, inside the house. You know in those houses, um, they have, like, those really tall staircases and, like, the banister at the top. So he either fell from that to the ground below or his mistress pushed him and (gasps) killed him. Yeah. That is creepy. So also this is the third one. Of the third, like, violent death. Yeah. Like, none of these people die of, of natural, like, natural causes. causes. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, he sold it to Colonel Griffith, Griffith J. Griffith, who, that's who Griffith Park is named after, this oh, guy. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So this is the fourth owner. This is the fourth owner. Um, so Colonel Griffith J. Griffith uh, purchased the land in 1882. However, just like the previous owner, like this was not a good purchase. Soon after he purchased the land, there was a lot of droughts, there was a lot of fires, uh, and other natural disasters that kind of ruined his land. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can say this is California, like there are going to be droughts and wildfires. Yes. Um, I mean, that's just like something that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, what if it's her? Cursing his land because yeah, she doesn't because, want him to own it. I mean, California still grows a lot of, like, fruits and vegetables. Exactly. Yeah. So, who knows? Um, a violent storm swept through Los Angeles, stripping away the vegetation from his land and killing many of the livestock that Griffith owns. And allegedly, during this storm, several people saw the ghost of Doña Petronia drifting about and, like, renewing her curse. Wow. So, people said they saw her in the storm. Which is pretty spooky. Yeah. Um, Griffith's bad luck continued. In 1891, Griffith was shot with a shotgun outside of a cemetery. He survived, but he was badly wounded. And in 1896, he was basically, like, done with this land. So he began giving away parts of land for free to the city of Los Angeles. So this is kind of when it was, like, changing hands from, like, private owners to, like, just city owned. Mm -hmm. Like, it was going to be, like, a free park. Um, and people say perhaps he did this to kind of avoid the bad luck that plagued him when owning the land. So mm-hmm. people said he was trying to escape the curse. And just give it to mm-hmm. L.A. <laughs> by just giving it away. Um, even these gifts, though, did not save him from the paranormal activity that haunted the land. So a California folklorist, who is like the one that kind of wrote down this whole story, wrote that at one of the parties where Griffith was transferring the land to Los Angeles the ghost of Don Antonio Felice appeared. So that was her, the father yeah. or the uncle. Um, and Felice took a seat that was reserved for Griffith and proclaimed, I come to invite you to dine with me in hell. In your great honor, I have brought an escort of sub-demons. And apparently the lights went out and there was like a lot of noises that filled the room. That's creepy. And all of the guests ran away. So they were not able to see if he brought his demons with him. Oh. But... Again, this is just like a folklore folklore tale, so yeah. like obviously there's no proof that of this actually yeah. happening, but it's still interesting, I think. Yeah, like, and who knows? Maybe it did happen. Right. You never know. So, do do you know if he knew about the past deaths? I'm not sure. 
Um, because I'm just thinking like poor like owners. That, I know. That had no idea about the curse. I know. Um, I mean, this thing started in 1863, and he bought it in um, 1882. So it was only like 20 years after okay. this had happened. So, so I feel like pretty, pretty. I feel like probably. Recent. He probably had knew heard or about heard. it, but didn't believe it, and yeah. you know, and sucks happened. for him. Um, in 1903, he actually shot his wife in a Santa Monica hotel. He did? Yes, Griffith did. <gasps> um, she survived the attack, luckily, but he was sent into San Quentin for assault a deadly weapon. Wow. Yeah. Um, and in 1919, he passed away after a battle with liver disease. So okay, people, so that's more mm-hmm. of a natural cause. Right. But then he but did get shot. Yeah, he did. And, like, people say that... You know, it was just, like, such a sharp turnaround from who he had been before. Mm -hmm. Like, people kind of, like, debate, was this just, like, bad luck? Is just this Mm -hmm. a coincidence? Like, did he go crazy? Or was this, like, the work of Dona Petronia? Yeah. Who was making him do these things? So the most commonly seen ghosts in Griffith Park, still to this day, are Dona Petronia, Don Felice, and Griffith J. Griffith. The ghost of Doña Petronia is the most common, described as a young woman in a white dress, sometimes riding a white horse. And at midnight, she is most report- often uh, reportedly seen in the Paco Feliz adobe, and she's like seen in the windows. Mm-hmm. And that is the oldest remaining structure in the park. So that adobe building is the oldest structure in the park. Oh. Yeah. And so people report seeing her there. Okay. Um, Felice's ghost is, so the uncle's ghost is reportedly seen wandering his land on horseback, so he's most often seen on a horse, um, and he's most often spotted near the old zoo, which we'll talk about in a little bit, Mm -hmm. because that kind of plays into this too. And the ghost of Griffith J. Griffith has also been spotted, uh, usually on horseback as well, kind of like checking on the upkeep of the land, apparently. Mm -hmm. So So those are the three most common things that people see. Yeah, did they name the park after him because he donated so much of it yes. to L.A.? Yeah. Okay. So, like, I think the parts that he donated, that's how it came to be called Griffith Park. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, but he shot his wife. Like, <laughs> I know. I feel, like that's a pretty, <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty bad connotation to have, yeah. but I think it's because he donated so much okay. of it as, like, a free resource, yeah. you know? With Griffith's death, all of the land was given to the city of Los Angeles, so none of it was sold, um, and some people debate since it was given to the city of Los Angeles, the curse ended since all of the landowners had died kind of violent or like not yeah, so great deaths. terrible. And no one was making money from land, the land anymore. So okay. she kind of cursed the land so that nobody would make money. And since nobody is making money from the land anymore, some people say she's okay with it. And like, yeah, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, however, others say the curse has lived on as con- tragedy continues to strike Griffith Park. So there's still been other things happening here. Mm-hmm. So some people kind of say, oh, it, it ended, um, and other people believe that it's still going on. Mm-hmm. So in 1932, a pe- an actress named Peg Entwistle leapt to her death from the H in the Hollywood sign. So she committed suicide by jumping from the H. Um, the suicide was widely publicized, and today people report that Peg haunts Griffith Park, and people looking at the sign after dark have reported seeing a young woman jumping from the H, but she vanishes before hitting the ground. Mm -hmm. Like the bridge. Right. (laughs) And there's actually a, um, there's, like, 
there or there was a I don't know if it's still up and running, but when I was like reading about this mm-hmm. thing, um there was a like live stream of like the Hollywood sign. Mm-hmm. So like if you wanted to like go ghost hunting or whatever, like you could kind of like watch that. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if it's still up, but when I was like reading articles about it, it was like linking me to mm-hmm. a live stream. Yeah. Creepy. I know. Hikers have also said they have run into a woman wearing all 1930s, like, Hollywood, like, old Hollywood-style clothing, Mm -hmm. which they say is peg, and people have reported smelling, um, like, sudden wafts of gardenia perfume, which is apparently her signature scent. So, like, out of nowhere, they just smell this, like, perfume, and they can't see anybody or anything, Mm -hmm. but apparently that was her signature scent. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in 1933, in Mineral Wells Canyon, which is a canyon like on Griffith Park, uh, a team of firefighters was working to put out a wildfire. The fire grew too big to contain and killed 29 of the firefighters. So Aww. obviously this is not anything like paranormal, but it just, these things keep happening there, yeah. you know, so people say that is why it's like haunted cursed. or cursed, because um, it just seems to have like so many tragedies happen yeah. here. So, um, I was going to say we're going to talk about, like, the old zoo. So, the old zoo, it's like, I don't know, I've never heard of animal ghosts, but apparently there's also animal ghosts, not just people ghosts at Griffith Park. From 1912 to 1966, a zoo was opened on the grounds of Griffith Park, and the zoo is home to around, like, 15 animals who are kept in super small cages. So, these cages caused controversy over animal cruelty, and the zoo was eventually shut down. Um, But apparently, after dark, visitors who go to the old zoo, uh, have reported hearing animal noises within the zoo, but they can't mm. see anything. So they just hear these, like, animals crying out, um, but they can't see anything. Is the old zoo, like, where the zoo used to be? Yes. So, and it's a park now? Yeah, so it's, like, part of, it's part of Griffith Park. It's on the grounds of Griffith Park. It's, like, on the base of it. Oh. And okay. it's actually where, like, remember when it's on Hula and I went to, like, the Haunted Hayride uh-huh. earlier this year? Like, that's where they oh, have that it. that is yeah. where. So people said it's like that's it just it has like a very creepy um Did they tell you the story on the hayride? That's like where I first heard about like uh-huh. the the um like the Griffith Park was like supposed to be kind of oh, haunted. That's cool. But that's like the only thing that I kind of heard about before mm-hmm. I started like researching it. Okay. Yeah. Um so these might be the noises of the animals cut there who are still haunting the park today. So mm. if there are ghosts there, at least they have animal ghosts with them, yeah. you know? And I think they were, like, pretty, they weren't just, like, like, cat, like, dogs, you know? They were, like, pretty, like, exotic yeah, like animals. So, like, animals. like, a lion. I think that would be pretty cool, you know? But also, like, imagine you're there at night and you hear that. Yeah. I would run. Yeah, people say, like, that's, like, the most haunted place in Griffith Park. Like, oh, that area. That place. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so, then there's also some connections to true crime. Uh, you might have heard of some of these cases. These are, like, some of the cases, like, I feel like I want to do, but there's a lot of people who have great episodes out on this already. Mm-hmm. So within the 1970s, Griffith Park was the preferred dumping grounds of the serial killer duo Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Bono Jr., who are known as the Hillside Stranglers. Oh, yes. Yeah, so Morbid did, like, a really good episode mm-hmm. on them or a couple episodes on them. When you said them by name, I had no idea who they yeah. were. But then when you said Hillside Stranglers, yeah. I was like, oh, yes. Um, so the Hillside Stranglers killed 12 women in between 1977 and 78 and left many of their bodies either in Griffith Park or close to Griffith Park. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, I think their first victim was left in Griffith Park. Mm. 
So some connection to true crime right there. I also just want to end with a story that like is pretty out there. Like, I mean, it's not funny because people died, but it's just weird. So apparently there's a haunted picnic table within the park. Um, a couple named Rand Garrett and Nancy Jeanson were in the park on Halloween night in 1976, and for some reason they decided to have sex on the picnic table number 29. I don't okay, know why. Don't sit on table. <laughs> I don't know picnic why table that was where they decided to hook up, yeah. but that's where they decided to hook up. <laughs> And while they were in the middle of this act, um, a tree branch fell and crushed them both to death. Oh, my God. After the funeral, their ashes, for some reason, were, like, scattered around the picnic table. I don't know why that's something that you would Where want they to remember. Like, I don't know why, because I feel like that's a pretty awful way to go. Yeah. Like, that's pretty sad that, you know. Yeah, and that, you don't know if it's um, proven. I it, this one is I think it's real, but it's also kind of like I think Out some there. details have been um enlarged. Like okay. I I don't know if it's like actually like on Halloween night, you know, like things like that. But the fact that they were having sex on a picnic, and then table I don't know, then... I don't you're right, like yeah. But um, to this day, there the tree branch. Like if you go to table 29 mm-hmm. there's the tree branch and it is still like crushing the picnic table so the tree it's branch is not moved mm-hmm. um and people say that their ghosts haunt the area that their picnic table is in and apparently any attempt to remove it has been unsuccessful and those who try are faced with paranormal events such as like hearing voices mm. um being told to go away or feeling very ill oh yes. so, so they've they tried to remove it remove the wow the yeah, I was going to ask, branch. why would they leave it there? Yeah. That so, makes sense. That is also just a haunted picnic table in in oh, Griffith Park. Griffith Park. Yeah. Wow, so many things I about know. Griffith Park. I know. I feel like I didn't know, like, a lot of those things. I only kind yeah. of knew about, like, the zoo, I feel like. Yeah, I've but only been it. to the observatory, mm-hmm. so I don't really know about all the other places yeah. or can't say yeah. from experience that I've seen. I think anything. that's more like like the hiking trails around it you know um and even to this day people i mean it is like a park and things do happen in parks Mm -hmm. but there are like a lot of bodies found throughout the park yeah i think it is just a place unfortunately where people either commit crimes Mm -hmm. or like bring their victims because it's it's like very it's public right it's like you don't have to check in to go mm-hmm. in there and it is um very solitary like it's a pretty big park it's like i think it's like four times bigger than central park and like what five times longer than like golden gate park so it's like a pretty big area uh-huh. so it's like if you wanted to go somewhere private and people wouldn't mm-hmm. find you so it does have like a, a yeah it's pretty hidden right like when you go up there right um so it does definitely have the capacity to be used in mm-hmm. that respect all right. Um, the next one is actually a location that I would love to go to because I think it's really cool, but it is closed for now. I don't know when it's going to reopen, but I would really like to go there once it does reopen. Okay. So this is the Queen Mary. Um, oh, I've been there. Oh, have you really? Yeah. They yeah. used to do, I don't know if they still do, but do mazes around Halloween time. Yeah, they do. Like they used to do tours, but, and you could like stay at it, but it, 
it's um oh yeah now yeah yeah, I heard about that. I, w- I don't know if I would stay there, yeah. but I went in because they had a maze that was uh-huh. inside. It was, like, really creepy. That's so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. Fun, okay, well, you can offer your personal experiences. Yeah. <laughs> so, the RMS Queen Mary is a ship that's docked in the Long Beach Harbor, and it is apparently one of the most haunted hotels in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also functions as a museum and a haunted attraction for visitors, although right now it's closed because of covid and i think they only opened it up like for a certain amount of tours last year but it was like only a very few amount of tours and is it because it's, it's like, sinking open. i don't know i heard that it was sinking i don't know oh, if that's really? real or not i don't know uh it's like it's on their website it's like oh d- closed due to like covid19 oh, okay um and they said oh we only opened up a very limited amount of tours and all of those tours are full so like mm-hmm. no more tours but i don't know um, but I'll just go into the history of that because that's like cool, and then I'll tell you about like the most haunted places on the ship. So construction began in 1930, and in 1934, the ship was actually named by Queen Mary herself. And the ship made its first voyage across the ocean in 1936. And the ship was like it was supposed to be famous because it was supposed to be like bigger and faster, and more powerful than the Titanic. So this was supposed to be like the better version of the Titanic. Okay, it was made after. Right. Yeah, it happened. Um, and for three years, the, the ship hosted the, the world's most rich and famous across the Atlantic. So a lot of uh, royalty traveled on this ship across the Atlantic. Mm. A lot of um, movie stars traveled across the Atlantic. And just, like, important politicians that had to go, like, back and forth between the U.S. and England. Oh. Um, however, in 1939, when World War II broke out, the Queen Mary was actually converted from a luxury ship into, like, a troop ship. So... I think this was a pretty common thing that was happening um, just because they needed ships to help out the Navy. Um, but it became known as the, quote, Grey Ghost, and it was actually one of the most important sh- ships in World War II history. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. And I think it's because it was pretty big, so it was able to carry a lot of yeah. people, and it was able to hold a lot of things. Okay. Um, so by the end of World War II, the ship had carried more than 800,000 troops, traveled more than 600,000 miles, and it had played a significant role in almost ever, every major Allied campaign. So every, like, naval campaign, it had kind of That's been a part so of it. That's so cool. I know. Um, it had survived a collision at sea. It had set the record for carrying the most people ever on a floating vessel, oh, like, at that time, yeah. which was about 16,600 people. That's so that's why I think, yeah. People. So that's why I think it was so important yeah. to, like, World War II, mm-hmm. because it was able to carry a lot of people um and it had even participated in the d-day invasion which is kind of cool oh. so like that was one of the ships that they like they used sailed it. in and then people like got off of the ships and like went in on those little like uh-huh. buoy like dingy things and then like traveling in. but it was like in the d-day invasion wow which is cool that's a cool history um and many p- people believe that the war is part of what caused the queen mary to become haunted and reports say that the Queen Mary was responsible for over 300 deaths and that many of the spirits were made on board. Mm. Um, in 1947, the ship was reconverted back to a luxury ship and it resumed voyages across the Atlantic. However, by the early 1960s, with airplanes becoming more accessible to more people, um, crossing the ocean by ship was less and less common, which is kind of... I don't know why I think of like crossing the ocean by a ship is like something that only happened like... 200 years ago but like it didn't like it was like like 
I guess because, you know, airplanes used to be super, super expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, it was really yeah, only, so like... Yeah, had no choice. Right. Then to cross the ocean mm-hmm. by using a ship. But, but I'm like, 1960s, like... Not that long not ago. Not that long ago. Yeah, that's why I was, like, pretty surprised. And you people, know? like, in some countries still use ferries and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, in San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, in New York. Like, there's, like, a ferry uh, yeah, that brings you, like, New to Staten Island and to New York and things like that. Yeah. So, like, obviously, it's, like, a theme. But I just was like, wow, that's pretty late. I just guess I didn't really put together, you know that airplanes were, like, super inaccessible mm-hmm. to people. Like, it's, like, it was so expensive to, like, get on an airplane, and I just think people yeah. didn't really travel as much. And now we have, like, Disney cruises and I stuff. I know. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, but in 1967, because so many people were just taking airplanes instead of taking boats, she was withdrawn from service, and uh, she had crossed the um, ocean more than 1,000 times. More than 1,000? Yeah, so, like, going back and forth yeah. 1,000 wow. times. Yeah. So it definitely, like, gave its, like, uh-huh. service, like, yes. full out. <laughs> um, in the same year, the city of Long Beach bought the ship for $3.5 which is about $9 million today. Wow. Um, and it was intended to be converted to a hotel so people could sleep, like, mm-hmm. aboard a ship without needing to cross an ocean. Like, it was kind of, like... A tourist attraction. Yeah. Like, oh, like sleep- that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Like, I would go to it. Um, however, as human guests traveled to the ship, apparently so did the ghosts. So, sorry, somebody's doing um, donuts outside. Not again. It's this time of day. So, it's just the time of day where we have donuts outside. Um, so, if you hear that, sorry about it. So, um, there are over 150 reported ghosts on board the ship, and there are certain rooms and places on board that are said to be the most haunted. So, I'll go through a few of them. Okay. So, first of all is the engine room, which is located 50 feet below water level, and it's said to be, like, one of the most, um, active in terms of paranormal, paranormal activity. Um, it was actually used, uh, the, this engine room, it was used in the filming of the Poseidon event adventure, which is, like, a pretty famous movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the room's infamous door 13, so that's one of the doors, uh, crushed at least two men to death at different ports, points during the ship's history. Um, the most recent death, which was a during, like, a door drill in 1966, so this mm-hmm. is just, like, a drill to make sure, like, if the ship did get flooded with water, like, you could, like, block off certain points so it didn't sink. Um, but during one of these just routine drills, a 18-year-old crew member was crushed to death. Mm-hmm. Um, his name was John Petter, and he's one of the most famous ghosts that people normally see. They say he is dressed in blue overalls, and he has a beard, and he is often seen walking the length of an alley uh, in front of that door before disappearing by door 13. Um, sometimes he'll run behind people, sometimes he whistles, and other times he'll ask guests if they've seen his wrench, and when they turn back to him, nobody's there. Yeah. Um, the swimming pools are also places of paranormal activity, so there's two swimming pools on board this ship, and though neither are utilized today for swimming, like, it's just more of, like, a tourist mm-hmm. kind of thing, like, they just, they'll take you Yeah, I went, that's really? where the maze was, oh, at in the, the swimming, swimming pool. pool. Yeah, and apparently these are some of the most haunted locations. Yeah. Um, in the first class swimming pool, which has been closed for like since the ship 
kind of was docked. Mm-hmm. Um, women have been seen appearing in 1930s-style swimming suits, wandering the deck by the pool. Others have reported that the sounds of splashing and spied footprints leading from the deck to the changing room. So even though there's, like, no water, there's yeah, suddenly, like, wet footprints. Um, and some people also have seen the spirit of a young girl uh, holding a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. They had that person. Oh, really? As one of, like, the maze people. Like, the um, yeah. the hunters. They That's did cool. tell us these stories, and I think I just, like, forgot everything. Yeah. Like, because they tell you right before you go in, uh-huh. and you're like, oh, that's fuck, really cool. it's real. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Well, we should check to see if it's open next year. And I go. know. I would really want to go. I think that place, I think it would be cool to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another really haunted room is stateroom B340, and in 1948, a British third-class passenger, Walter J. Adamson, passed away in this room, um, and people say he remains there to this day. Mm. Um, in 1966, a ro- woman staying in that room during a sailing trip reported that she was woken up when the bed covers were pulled off of her, and she saw a man standing at the foot of her bed. <gasps> That's creepy. I know. Um, she screamed and rang for the steward who like helps people out in their uh-huh. rooms. Uh, and as she did so, she said the man vanished into thin air. I know. Uh-huh. And like, this is like one of the rooms you can stay in. So if you like rent the, if you like rent a hotel, like you can stay in like Yeah, this the room. haunted room. Mm-hmm. No and thanks. <laughs> guests today staying in the room have reported hearing somebody knocking on the door in the middle of the night and their bathroom mm-hmm. lights turning on. Um, even the hotel's maids started complaining that they would find the bathroom running, water running when nobody had stayed in the room for days and that, um, the bed sheets like were always like pulled off after they had been put on. Wow. So they were like all tangled up. Yeah. Um, there's another room called the Mauritania room. Uh, in 1989, it's like a lounge. So it's like, um, like a dinner room kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, two women were sent to clean this lounge for, like, a VIP dinner. When they entered the room, they found a passenger, apparently, sitting on a chair in the middle of the dance floor. Uh, when they talked to this passenger, they didn't say a word. When a third woman came in to the help with the cleaning, she remarked that the passenger was staring at them, and she asked the passenger to move. As the employees started to call security, the passenger faded right in front of them, and the women all reported seeing this at the exact same time. Wow. I know. I feel like when you have multiple witnesses that, like, you can't deny that that was not real. I know. Yeah. I mean, I believe in those kind of stuff, like, for sure. And I feel like with, like, a place that has as long of a history as this mm -hmm. one, like, that's definitely possible. Yeah, and I feel like there's much more of these, like, paranormal occurrences back then Mm -hmm. that we don't really hear as much. Right. Today. Yeah. Um, the last room is the Mayfair room. Um, in 2001, a member of the hotel's accounting staff came in early to work and she said that she felt immediately like something was off, just like something was wrong in the room. She started doing her job and when she sat down at her desk, she reported feeling unusually cold. Later, she said she felt somebody brush up against the back of her chair, but when she turned, nobody was there in the room. Um, she said only minutes after she felt somebody bump the back of her chair, she saw a transparent figure in white walk across a room and pass through the door. Oh, that's creepy. I know. 
Um, so like I said, today it's used as like a haunted attraction. However, it's been closed due to COVID. So like tours and hotel stays have been kind of paused. But I hope they open it again because that would yeah. be pretty cool. I yeah. feel like it should be open this year. I if know. it was just because of COVID. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. But I was like, that's still what's on the website, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like COVID. So I was like, oh. that's kind of annoying, but I don't know. Well, that was interesting. I know. All right. So we're going to go into the last location, which is a very famous location in Los Angeles. And it is one of the most well-known spooky, creepy places in Los Angeles, like if not the United States. So it's so famous that a season of American Horror Story was based off this location. And it was also featured as a two-hour special on Ghost Adventures, which is like that TV show hosted by Zach Bagan. Mm-hmm. And this is the Cecil Hotel. Oh, so okay. yes. one of the most well-known places. But um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about like why it's so well-known, because there's certain things that I think are it's famous for, um, but there's a lot more like things that, you know, I feel like I didn't know about it that are also really creepy. Have you seen that TikTok account where this person lives like right across from there? No. And they keep posting of like, ambulances coming by oh, police officers I'm sure. yeah yeah because i think they find people in there yeah i'm sure that, i'm sure yeah it's creepy so the cecil hotel was opened in 1924 and it was opened during the height of the roaring 20s it was built for a million dollars which is about 13 million dollars today which is really not i feel like that expensive to build like a hotel yeah because if you think about it it has a lot yeah, of rooms but I don't know if it was just, like, built for that much. And then, like, you know, Mm. I don't really know. But I feel like that wasn't that – didn't seem that expensive. (laughs) Um, It was built by William Banks Banks Hanner. And it was originally intended to be a fancy destination hotel for wealthy businessmen when they were visiting downtown L.A. Yeah. So, like, during the 1920s, you know, people were kind of just, like, focused on opulence and, like, very lavish spending. Um, So it was kind of – supposed to be like a luxury destination mm-hmm. hotel makes sense however with the great depression crashing the economy a couple years later the ho- hotel did not exactly attract the most well-to-do guests uh skid row los angeles's primary location for those who are unhoused or transient like just passing through it was already a population of about ten thousand in the early 1930s which i didn't know it existed like it has existed for that long but it has so it's like that's always kind of been a part of like LA history and that's right by the Cecil yeah it's like like people are like the Cecil Hotel is like at the foot of Skid Row like it's like on the same block interesting then that back then they decided it was gonna be a place for like wealthy right i don't know if Skid Row kind of came about because of the great depression like Mm -hmm. if that's kind of what triggered it um, or during this time, this, this is just, like, when people gathered there, and it just, like, became kind of a, like, you know, like, you hear about, like, all those, like, shanty towns and everything during the Great Depression, like, certain places just popped up as, like, unofficial towns for those who had lost their homes, so I wonder if this was one of them, like, I wonder if this is just where, where people just, it was, like, an unofficial meeting place, you know, this location known as Kid Row and then it just like became a thing Mm -hmm. I know I want to look that up now after Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
So the Cecil Hotel was located on a block directly bordering Skid Row, and it became an option for those struggling with homelessness. And when possible, they would book a room at the Cecil Hotel for a few nights because it was very cheap. So especially during the Great Depression, like kind of once the Great Depression hit, Mm -hmm. the idea of this becoming a luxury hotel faded. Um, because people were not really traveling like to like no one was right like luxuriously yeah to be able to go to these places so like everything else it kind of fell out of its Mm. original i guess like lavish idea yeah um in 1931 so this is the second um kind of effect of the Great Depression that we'll talk about. The first one was that bridge that a lot of people committed suicide off of during the Great Depression. This is the second place where the Great Depression triggered a lot of suicide. Mm. So in 1931, the hotel experienced its first suicide. The body of W.K. Norton was discovered laying next to a pile of poison tablets, and many more suicides followed. So the next few years were were somewhere, so many were heavily affected by the Great Depression. So like we were kind of saying, it wasn't uncommon for some to escape monetary troubles um, by ending their own lives. So that's why a lot of people think, you know, it saw this place, especially saw so many suicides during this time because it was in the middle of the Great Depression. Yeah. In 1934, Army Surgeon Louis D. Borden um, slashed his throat with a razor. In 1936, Roy Thompson, who was a Marine Corps, jumped from atop the Cecil Hotel and was found on the building of a neighboring building, or the top of a neighboring Mm -hmm. building. Um, And in 1937, Grace E. Magro fell from the ninth story of the hotel. Uh, With little evidence, police were unable to determine if Grace's death was an accident, a suicide, or if she was a victim of a murder, like somebody pushed her off. In 1944, a young woman named Dorothy Jean Purcell visited the hotel. She woke up in the middle of the night with extreme stomach pains, and she actually ended up giving birth in the hotel room, but she had no idea that she was pregnant. What? Yeah, so, I don't... I mean, I guess, like, you, there's, like, that show that's, like, oh, I didn't know I I was pregnant. pregnant. Like, some people, I guess, just don't show and... Don't get any symptoms or anything. And I guess if, I don't know, that, I feel like I would be able to, I feel like I would know, but, I mean, I I don't know. There's always those, like, kind of stories. Like, people are, like, oh, I never get my period, so then, like, I didn't know I was pregnant because it's always Mm -hmm. super irregular, so, like, I didn't. Yeah, notice that, that I missed sense. a month. Maybe yeah. they can think like, oh, I, I've been gaining a little bit of weight. Right, right. You never know. Yeah. So she um, had no idea that she was pregnant, and in a panic, she threw her newborn child out of the window. She claimed that she believed her child was stillborn, and she was found not guilty of murder by reason of insanity. Wow. Yeah. In 1947, the Cecil Hotel saw its first of many connections to famous true crime incidents. Um, Elizabeth Short, who was also known as the Black Dahlia, mm-hmm. was found murdered in the Lamert Park neighborhood of Los Angeles. Days before her murder, she was seen having drinks at the hotel, and perhaps there's no connection between the hotel and her murder, and it was just a place that she had stopped over, but some question if she ran into a dangerous individual at the hotel who kind of saw her there, um, and eventually might have had something to do with her murder. Yeah. Because it's unsolved. So, mm-hmm. you know, people are like, oh, well... The kind of people that were staying there at this time, you never really know. That could have been where somebody started following her. 
1962, 65-year-old George Dianini was walking by the Cecil Hotel when he was struck to death by a falling woman. Uh, Pauline Auten jumped from her ninth-story window after an argument with her estranged husband, and as she fell, uh, she killed both herself and Giannini instantly, which is really sad. Uh, Yeah, it's like... (laughs) Like, that's really sad to just be a victim of, like... Somebody else's yeah, suicide to too. Mm-hmm. But then they hurt ended up hurting someone mm-hmm. else. Yeah. yeah. Um in nineteen sixty-four, a popular social woman named Goldie Osgood was found beaten and strangled in her room at the Cecil Hotel. She had been living there because she was on pension, so she was like sixty-six at the time of her death. So she was um retired and just like living here because she could mm-hmm. afford to live in this hotel at this time. Um, while a man was arrested in connection to her murder, he was later released, and police have not been able, able to solve her murder to this day. Hmm. During the 1980s, the Cecil Hotel was said to be, quote, pure chaos, so there was really no regulation of the hotel, really no regulation of, like, who is coming in, who is coming out. No. It was, like, pretty disorganized. Um, and this allowed one of Los Angeles' most famous serial killers to stay there unnoticed during his killing sprees. So this was Richard Ramirez, known as the Night Stalker. Yes. Ramirez stayed at a room on the top floor of the hotel for only $14 a night, which is equivalent to about 36 today, which is Whoa. a crazy cheap, like, I mean, I was like, oh, $14, but I was like, oh, during, in the 1980s, yeah. which is... I was like, oh, it's probably, I don't know, it's probably not more, that cheap yeah. today, but it's only $36 you today. You cannot find a room anywhere no. now for $36. No. Not in LA. No. Um, so like I said, it was incredibly cheap, and so it therefore sometimes attracted clients who were using the rooms for, like, not-so-great activities mm-hmm. um, because they could get a room for only $14 a night. Yeah. Um, they would go there instead of maybe staying like, on the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, bodies of those who overdosed on drugs were often found in the alleys by the hotel, and some were even found in the hotel and in the hallways. Mm-hmm. Ramirez, after murdering somebody, would often come back to the hotel, throw his bloody clothes in the hotel dumpster, and walk to his room dressed only in underwear. But due to the activities, like, that surrounded the hotel yeah. and the people that kind of frequented the hotel... He was never stopped or questioned by hotel management. They're probably like, this is just another day here right. at the hotel. So, like, if it had been anywhere else, I feel like you probably yeah, would have gotten like, Sir, <laughs> put some clothes a on. A few um, questions, but he was kind of able to go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. So he was able to keep killing people. In 1991, um, a serial killer named Jack Unterwerger stayed at the hotel for a period of time as well. This location was one where many, unfortunately, turned to sex work to earn money because Mm -hmm. they felt like they had no other option. Um, And Unterberger targeted prostitutes. So Mm -hmm. he stayed in this hotel because he said he had easy access to those working on the streets. Um, Later, rumors began that he chose the Cecil Hotel because it's where Ramirez had stayed, although it's not really known if that's true. Like, it's not. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of, I think, people linking those two together. Um, but it also could be because it was cheap and he was able to stay there without a lot of attention on him and he was able to, um, just target the people who he wanted to target in close proximity to where he was staying. Mm -hmm. 
And in 2013, the Cecil Hotel was the location of one of the most mysterious deaths in, like, pretty much, like, U.S. history, I would say. So, in 2013, Canadian college student Elisa Lamb was found dead inside the water tank on the roof of hotel three weeks after she had gone missing. Um, before her death, surveillance ca- cameras in the hotel caught Elisa acting strangely in an elevator. She was appearing to yell at somebody out of view, as well as apparently t- attempting to hide from somebody. Um, while pressing multiple elevator buttons and acting very erratically. Mm-hmm. Her body was found inside the water tank, but the heavy top to the tank was fully closed, and Lamb could not have reached the tank, the cover to the tank from inside. Yeah. Um, so some believe Lamb, dealing with possible psychosis or a manic episode, um, had committed suicide, although it would be difficult, if not impossible, for her to have climbed inside the tank and then replaced the cover on mm-hmm. top. Um, some believe she was the victim of a murderer, uh, or some convinced by the video of Lamb in the elevator believe she was killed by an evil spirit in the hotel. Mm. So it kind of like lured her to the roof. And because you can't see anything in the video, like it looks like she's, she's seeing something that's invisible to the camera. Yeah. I, yeah. I watched a documentary where mm-hmm. it showed all the footage and yeah. it was really creepy. Yeah. Like, also because you can't see anyone in there with her right, the elevator, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, in 2021, Zach Biggin, who's the host of Ghost Adventures, stayed at the Cecil Hotel for two nights, kind of investigating Lamb's last steps. And he just had been, he'd been trying to, get a um, documentary about this place for, like, ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kept, like, not allowing him in, not allowing him in, not allowing him in. Really? Yeah, and then I think because of COVID, it was, like, shut down. So um, it was totally empty, and I think they allowed him to do it. Um, he said that he and his team experienced high levels of paranormal activity, including unexplained scratches on their bodies and water faucets turning on by themselves. Um, the Cecil Hotel recently tried to kind of move away from its um questionable past by changing its name to the stay on main so it's like they tried kind of like to become a hostel i think the rooms are still cheap like Mm -hmm. they're still like probably like 60 dollars a night but it was like just a place for people to stay if they were like visiting la or Mm -hmm. just like wanted like a cheap place to stay um although the building closed and there's really no reports on when it's going to reopen yeah so you still like can't stay in it or anything Mm -hmm. um but many people claim that this building is incredibly haunted due to the amount of things that have gone on there. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, and that they have seen ghosts either in the window or mm-hmm. experienced strange events, like, while they were in the hotel. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And those are the four... Mm, I, don't, I don't know if there's more haunted places. Those are the four places where I found the most interesting backstory mm-hmm. and I feel like the most connections to true crime. Yeah. Yeah. I learned a lot and I feel like the most surprising one was Griffith Park. I know. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, because I had no idea. I just thought it. that whole backstory was so interesting and mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, even if it's not totally true, I feel like I get really into folklore like that and it's just, I did not know any of that. I only knew about like the zoo because I had gone to yeah, the haunted totally ride right. in October, but that was the only thing that I knew about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so that was haunted Los Angeles. Yeah, I really want to go to the ship. That's like on my bucket list. Yes. You know? 
You should stay there by yourself. Not by myself. <laughs> we should do a um. I am not staying there. Exploration. No Why not? My aunt really loves those things. Uh-huh. My aunt Ruby. Uh-huh. She actually wanted to stay. What? We like, could all you stay with yeah. me. It's like no. Why? I'd be so scary. scared. Can you imagine? Drag me by and like pull me out the bed. I don't think it's violent. I think it's just that you just see them, you know? <laughs> I don't want to see it. I would holler. <laughs> yeah. I hope that I'm happens to Lucian. I want to go to that. Lucian. <laughs> I hope Lucian stays there and he gets pulled off the bed. Yeah. And his, man bun, and his man 12, bun. And his man bun. Where is Doña Petronia when you need her? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Well, that was interesting for me to research. Yeah, I feel like now I want to go to some of these places. Yeah. But, well, I guess we will see you next week. Yes. Yeah. That's my case. Yes. That was recommended. Yes. Next time I'm also doing a recommended case yeah. as well. So the next two episodes will be recommended cases. Um, if you have any suggestions, you can always message us on Instagram mm-hmm. or text one of us if you have our number. Yeah. Um, or reach out to us some other way. TikTok. And, yeah. And Twitter. <laughs> we don't ever go on our Twitter. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> um, a note passed under our door, perhaps. <laughs> carrier pigeon who knows we're really widely available yes mail whatever (laughs) (laughs) um and you can let us know like any cases that you want us to cover i feel like a couple of these just by me going over like me researching all these Mm -hmm. things and these connections I feel like I do want to do a couple of these cases that are mentioned. Um, Like the Black Dahlia, I feel like I've always been really into. Um, The Hillside Stranglers, I think, is a really big Los Angeles one. Mm -hmm. So certain things like that, I feel like I've gotten a few ideas for what to do. Yeah, yeah. Even if they're a balance of them. mm -hmm. Even if they're bigger cases, like and they're a little bit more popular, maybe other people have done those cases as well like I still think they would be interesting too yeah and then just to give your personal like mm-hmm. perspective about, on about experience yeah but yeah perspective yeah oh and the Cecil Hotel was the hotel that American Horror Story was based off of oh, in season yeah. like six or something five yeah I stopped watching <laughs> me too I didn't think it was that good to be honest yeah but Well, now we're just like (laughs) rambling on. All right. Well, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.